Welcome to another episode of Women Blazers. I'm your host, Deanna Witter. I'm excited to have Katie Stotes Miller as our featured guest. Katie serves as the Senior Vice President of Premium and Client Services, Fan Experience, and Operations for the Orlando Magic of the NBA. In this episode, Katie shares her incredible career journey that started out with a passion for sports, seeded by her childhood experiences of going to games and making memories with her family. This year, she celebrates her 17th season with Orlando Magic, where she has had the privilege to grow professionally and personally, make an impact as a tenured leader, and create extraordinary experiences for fans and partners. I want to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Turnkey ZRG, for supporting Women Blazers this season. Turnkey ZRG is a top talent search firm in sports, entertainment, music, and media. We appreciate Turnkey ZRG's role in advancing gender equity in our industry. As you know, the power of sport has, it's understanding what those needs are of those that come to our games and then using that and what we offer to meet those needs and creating this amazing environment to do it in, that's what fuels me. And so I really figured that out in those first five years when I was in ticket sales. And Deanna, I know you talk about this all the time with some of your other guests, but you know, the more women we can bring to the revenue generating side of this, of our business, the better. I mean, I can't, can't emphasize enough how powerful it was for me. And I'm so grateful that this is the track that my, my career headed down. So Katie, you went to Ohio university for journalism and public relations. You know, how did you determine your your uh, your college choice, and um, what was the original vision for your career with the degree you obtained? Great question. So I think for me, it started in high school. And when I was in high school, I knew a couple of things about myself. I knew that I loved writing, I loved reading, and I loved being in and around people. And so I think because I knew that I was very involved in activities that gave me a foundation to pursue the degree I did. I was on the school newspaper. I was on student council, all those types of things. And when I applied to Ohio University, I became aware of the Scripps School of Journalism. And within the journalism program, there were all these areas of journalism that you could study. You could study public relations. You could study broadcast. You could study print. And while I really had no idea which one was right for me, (laughs) I figured that if I was in the environment, I would be able to figure it out. Uh And that kind of combined with when you grow up in Ohio, um, you just commonly, you have a love for sports. So I grew up watching the Cleveland Browns and the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Cleveland Guardians and the Cavs. And I was also an athlete. So I was a gymnast for 15 years. And so I wanted something yeah, that I was really passionate about. And so I think my logic was, is as part of my original vision, if I could go somewhere where I knew I would be in an environment doing what I enjoyed, that I eventually would figure out how to combine the two. And when I took a tour of Ohio University's campus in Athens, I just absolutely fell in love. If you've never been there, it's beautiful. It's in the middle of the hills and it's all this red brick and green and it's gorgeous. And I just knew it was right for me. 
That's incredible. And you're right. The the university and the campus there at Ohio University is, is incredible. And I love like how active you were and knew exactly what you wanted. You knew your passions, right? Did you have a vision for the career? Like with this with this degree, did you sort of know what you wanted to do post-graduation? I knew in college that I was I was very driven. Um, I, as I look back on it, I kind of am like, wow, I, w- I must have been very busy. Um, <laughs> but I think I was in an environment where I saw so many different opportunities and I was intrigued by so much. And I knew it was my opportunity when I was in that environment to try them all to figure out what I did like so that I could hone in on what I wanted to do post-graduation. And I think some of the opportunities that I took advantage of, I was just so persistent in kind of wiggling my way in there. I, I wore people down until they gave me a shot. Um, <laughs> so when I was when I was there in that environment, I did a number of things, as you mentioned. I would drive back and forth between Athens and Cleveland for, um, gosh, I think it was three years when I was in college, and I was part of the Cleveland Browns game day staff. And doing that, I learned a lot about what media needs from the communications team of a team and how to present that information to them. So that was very connected to my major. I was a DJ on a local radio station and (laughs) very unique again, but it taught me how to communicate with people that I wasn't necessarily face-to-face with and how to interpret how I could connect with them. Um, And then ultimately through the radio station owner that I worked at, I was introduced to the Southern Ohio Copperheads, which was a wooden bat collegiate league baseball team that played at OU over the summer. And that program, ironically enough, was run out of OU's Sport Administration Master's program, which we all know is is a very renowned and amazing program, uh, but it's run by graduate students. And I talked my way into saying, hey, I know I'm not a graduate student, but I would really love to learn. And they gave me a shot. And I was so grateful for that. And I think it was there that I really came to understand that there was a business side of sport because Mm -hmm. I had only seen the fan side and I'd only seen the side as an athlete. And it opened my eyes to the fact that there is an environment where you can make a career out of working in the sports industry. And I did that for two summers while I was, you know, earning my degree. And, you know, ultimately, I, I, as I went, when I was a senior, I went to the administrator for the program, Dr. Kreutzer, and I was talking to him about what I wanted to do next because I had been exposed to so much, but I couldn't, I hadn't isolated my passion yet. Mm-hmm. And he suggested that I go out to the winter baseball meetings, which, That year, they were in uh, Los Angeles. And he said, you know, I remember the advice he gave me, which was in the minors, you get to do so many things that you can really figure out in a real life environment what you love and where your passion within sports lies. And so I did it. I, My parents, they were so kind and helped me buy my ticket out to Los Angeles, (laughs) the hotel room, because we all know, you know, California and Ohio prices are a little bit different. Um, I printed a ton of resumes and I went out there with my sights set on coming home with a job in the minor leagues. And I did it. And that's how I uh, secured my spot post-graduation from OU with the Savannah Sand Nuts. That's incredible. I mean, obviously, you were so active and you were so involved. And did you know that that work would end up putting you in the best position or was it just sort of like instilled in you that you needed to navigate this? Like what sort of was the motivation behind 
sort of your approach during college? I think part of it was instilled in me, right? I think it's part of the environment that I grew up in. Um, I grew up in a family where my parents are still today my biggest supporters, my biggest advocates. Um, They both worked when I grew up. And so they taught me the value of hustle and hard work. And so that has always just been a part of me. And so I think when I knew I was in that environment at OU, I had to make the most of every chance that I got. And I did. And so I was, I was just took every opportunity I could to, to learn more, to meet more people, to, to, to set myself up for the next best opportunity. So after you graduated, um, you got your first full-time job in sports with the Savannah Sand Nats. Um, and, and you were their director of client services, sales, and promotions. You know, how did you land this opportunity and what did you learn about your first, um, th- this first experience outside of college, your college experiences? I learned so much here. <laughs> I learned so much in Savannah. It was the most amazing experience. It really, truly was. So I landed that opportunity because I had gone out to the Um, winter meetings. So I connected with Savannah when I was out there and ultimately was uh, offered the opportunity to move to Savannah, which is a city I had never been, uh, but I did. And what I learned there among so many other things is the power of working as a part of a small team that just all driving towards a common mission. And we all had core roles and responsibilities, but in the minors, you know, as Dr. Kreutzer had told me at the time, everyone does everything. And so I was in this environment where I would be meeting sponsors at one moment, and then a rainstorm would come and I'd be pulling on my tarp suit and popping out on the field and pulling tarp. I mean, I could tell you endless stories about that. It was, it was riveting. Um, or I would be out on the baseball field with a microphone because I was in charge of promotions. And so I would be doing dizzy bat races and water balloon tosses. And, you know, in between the next inning, I would be sitting with some of our season ticket holders. And it was just a close team environment. And I think what was amazing about that as well is we were all very young in our careers, um, the group that I was there with. And so there was a lot of baptism by fire learning. Mm -hmm. And it gave me the confidence to figure things out for myself. So I remember when I first started, um, my general manager, he gave me this large book of contracts. And he said, here you go. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. Um, but it taught me how to ask questions. It, ha- it taught me how to create processes, how to activate on behalf of our, uh, on behalf of our sponsors and really how to use creativity and innovation to drive business forward. But it was in an environment that was very low risk because it was, that was the culture at the time I was there. And what was really amazing is I saw how every element of the business came together to then move the team forward. So whether it was community relations or marketing or ticket sales or sponsorship or media purchasing, it was it was fantastic. And it was at a small enough scale for me at the time that I was able to wrap my head around it and and see how business came to fruition. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like one of the best experiences that you can have from a foundational perspective because you had such a vast opportunity to learn so much um, so quickly in that environment. And then in 2006, you make a move. Um, you, you leave the Savannah um, Sand Nats and you join um, the Orlando Magic, where you are today. 
But um, when you started off there, um, you started there as a ticket representative. You know, what, what inspired this move and, and, and how did you secure this new role going from a minor league baseball team now to the big NBA? Sure. So this is actually a really cool story, Deanna. And it's one of those sliding door moments that you have in your career, right? I think we can all isolate those. Mm -hmm. Um, But during my first season in Savannah, as I mentioned, I was in charge of promotions and essentially entertainment in the ballpark. And as I was walking through the stadium one day, I saw a gentleman and he was reading a book. And I thought to myself, man, I am not doing a good job at my job that he brought a book to my baseball game. Right? <laughs> so I went up to him and I introduced myself and I said, hi, sir. You know, my, my name is Katie Stokes and I'm in charge of entertainment here. And I see that you're reading a book. So do you mind if I pick your brain? What would you like to see? What would capture your attention? And I just, I kind of went on um, a journey with him. Well, at the end of the conversation, it turns out that it was Pat Williams who founded and brought the magic to Orlando. (laughs) Get out of here. It really was. What I didn't realize at the time was that his son was our head coach. I had not made the, I had not made the connection and Pat was there to watch his son, Bobby coach the team. And um, Pat, because of that interaction became a mentor of mine and I could not have asked for a more phenomenal mentor <laughs> to teach me about the world of sport. It was just, it was, um, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity. And, you know, in that first year, uh, Pat actually had had interviewed me and, and had talked to me about a position on his team at the time, which was focused on, you know, a lot of the things that Pat did out of his office. And at first I turned him down in retrospect again. I'm like, what was I doing? Um, But I think I knew because that element of sport wasn't where my heart was and it wasn't exactly the right fit for where I wanted to go next. But because of how generous Pat was, he stuck with me and he was a he remained a mentor of mine and is one to this day and someone that I, I keep in touch with. But the following season, I called him back and said, Pat, I think I'm, I think I'm ready now. I'm ready to take on this next opportunity, this next challenge do you know of anything in the NBA? And he said, come on down for an interview. And he connected me with um, the HR team at the time. And, um, you know, growing up in sales, like we're always recruiting. And so um, I had the opportunity to start as a TSR in ticket sales. And I remember calling my parents and being like, I got a job. It's $7 an hour. (laughs) But I, I knew it. I knew I had to do it. I knew I was just awestruck by the environment that I felt when I came to the magic and I went for it. And that's, that's how I started down here in Orlando. That is an incredible story. And I'm like, as long as I've known you, I'm sad that I didn't know that before. And <laughs> what an incredible opportunity. And just like, it's thinking about you in that moment, seeing this guy read a book at your game that you're supposed to be under, like helping create entertainment and the boldness and the courage that you had at that time, just to go up to this individual and, uh, and strike up this conversation, um, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it, it inspires, you know, and hopefully it's motivating, but it's, it's definitely inspiring to know, like, when you have a gut feeling, just go for it. And who knows <laughs> you know, what can happen next? Isn't it crazy? Well, and if you know Pat, uh, Pat reads everywhere he goes. Readers are leaders. That's one of Pat's messages that has, that has stuck with me over the years. So now, you know, and even... Um, and all my time at the Magic, you would see Pat reading a book in the VOM, right? So it was just very, I, I call it one of those those moments that was meant to happen. Yes. Um, I'm so grateful for it to this day. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. 
You know, so for the first five years with the Magic, your main focus was selling tickets. Um, you know, what did you enjoy about growing, developing as a ticket sales professional with the team? I think growing as a ticket sales professional taught me so much about myself. It taught me confidence. It taught me how to find my voice. It taught me that the words that I say have meaning and they have power. And, you know, whether in, especially in a sales role, right, whether we're using our words to paint the picture Mm -hmm. or make an emotional connection with a prospect or whether I was training new members as part of our sales team, that taught me so much about the business and the industry. And I think what was most unique for me is going from an environment where in the minors I did absolutely everything to now focusing in on one area of ticket sales, I just, I really absorbed everything that I could from um, the leaders around me. I have, I've always been blessed to have wonderful leaders and teammates that I was really learning and growing from as part of that time, because my first five years with the magic were in the ticket sales side of our business. Um, But I think most of all, this is really truly where I found my love for spending time and learning more about fans and the people that are coming to our games, because my passion for me originated for sports when I was younger. So it was something that, you know, and I can remember it um, back in Cleveland at the old Mm -hmm. municipal ballpark. Cleveland Brown stadium was built or progressive field is built. um, My parents always took my brother and I to games. And to me, it was family time together. That's just what we did. We were season ticket holders. And as I have grown in my career, that's my why, is creating that magic, that time together, that opportunity for others, whether it's to drive your business forward, to spend time with your family, as you know, the power of sport has, it's understanding what those needs are of those that come to our games, and then using that and what we offer to meet those needs and creating this envi- amazing environment to do it in, that's what fuels me. And so I really figured that out in those first five years when I was in ticket sales. And Deanna, I know you talk about this all the time with some of your other guests, but, you know, the more women we can bring to the revenue generating side of this, of our business, the better. I mean, I can't, can't emphasize enough how powerful it was for me. And I'm so grateful that this is the track that my, my career headed down. Uh, I, I'm so happy you shared that. And I, you know, I, I've, I've just so connected with what you just shared because it, we, you and I are very aligned. Like we, we share the same sort of uh, passion points of why we got into sales, you know, sort of that fandom, you know, when you're younger. And for me, it was the experience and this, like this, the energy that's in an arena or a stadium. Um, it just, it just almost like makes your heart beat. You know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, it's like how I felt in those moments. Like I wanted to give those feelings back to other people. Like everybody should feel this moment, you know. Um, and how can I create these moments for others? And um, I, I love that. And and absolutely, you know, as we talk about sales specifically in the sales path, um, we we want to see more women, you know, take this path. And it's interesting because this is a good segue into my next question. I was going to lead into is is there's this perception around the word sales. I think that as women, we sort of go, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to like make somebody buy something they don't want, but if you believe in the product and you believe in what it can do um, for people, it allows you to tell that story and to provide them with an experience that, 
you know, could change their life, you know, essentially, or create a moment that they'll never forget with the people they go with. And, and so their service, you know, sort of service and sales kind of go hand in hand um, and, and how you deliver and how you, how you make those experiences come to life that ultimately have a transaction on the back end, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you made that transition. So in 2011, you were named the director of client services um, at The Magic. Share a little bit about um, that transition for you and that and sort of moving from sales into service um, and, and um, the decision you made to do so, but also the experience of, of, the, of that transition. Sure, sure. So I think one thing we all know, and especially as women, we have learned and evolved is we all know how important our personal board of directors is, right? Those people that you surround yourself with that are mentors, sponsors, friends, coaches, leaders, and someone that was on my board of directors at the time, so many of us know, Dr. Sutton, Mm -hmm. um, when we had an opening as the director of client services, he stopped me and said, you know, Katie, you should really think about this. This is something that you should really consider. I've been watching you. I see what brings you joy. I see where your passions are. And in truth, it was something, Gianna, that had never crossed my mind because I was so just mentally sales focused. That's where my mind was. But when I stepped away and I remember I took a weekend, I went back to Ohio and I was, you know, hanging out with my family. I had a paradigm shift. And what I don't know that anyone had ever clarified for me was that service is sales. It's a different type of sale. But it is sales. We are in the business of retaining our members over the course of, you know, one year, multiple years, and it's creating the connection to what the environment we offer in the arena is that is ultimately a part of their life that enables them to come back again and again and again and ultimately grow, right? I had found my niche. Um in you know upselling and cross-selling to to members when I was on the sales side of things. And I, I put two and two together. It was like a light bulb that went off for me when I was, you know, navigating, is this something that I should apply for? Is this something that I should consider? And I thought to myself, gosh, I find such joy in building deep relationships with people. And it was a perfect match for my energy, my competitiveness, my determination to then transition and carry that into a retention focused role at the magic. You're absolutely right. Sales, you know, service is sales. And I I think that that breakdown is so, so important. And it's great that you saw this opportunity of growth for yourself and you went for it. And it's obviously been a big part of your story and your path as you continue to grow uh, with the magic. Now in total today, you know, you've now been with the magic for 16 years um, and you grew from that ticket sales representative position um, through those director roles. And now today you serve as the SVP of premium and client services, fan experience and operations. Can you describe for us, you know, sort of the, the current responsibilities under your, the role that you have today? And can you share with us just your approach to growth over those 16 years that you've been with the team? Sure, of course. And so as you have said, over 16 years and 17 seasons, I have worn a number of different hats. And <laughs> I think my journey at The Magic, I'm so grateful for because I've had this opportunity to grow internally in an environment and with a team that I'm so passionate about. Uh, but what my current role is, is, as you said, it really combines three different areas of our business, our premium partnerships for all those that are in suites and premium products, our client services area, which is retention of our season ticket members, fan experience, which for us umbrellas 
all the amazing things that we do for our fans in the building. Um, it includes our, our call center, our mobile technology support, and then arena operations, which is really creating the environment that our fans enjoy um, when they come to the Amway Center. And so you can see through those roles, well, at first glance, you might be like, how, how do these come together? But they really ensure that we've got four dedicated areas of focus that bring together the experience that our fans have in the venue, the relationships they develop with us, and then our ability to maximize and build long-term fan avidity over time with them and um, so that they continue to, to remain long-tenured partners of ours. So as I said, I've, it's been wonderful that I've been able to grow internally. I know that that is, is not always the case, um, but I think my approach to internal growth, I have been so fortunate to learn from both my teammates and my team over the years. The magic as a culture, we are really rooted in a lot of collaboration and I have some phenomenal teammates. You know, I know for me, data and analytics, I love it. I love all the insight, but I have no idea how to do some of those things. Right. And so I'm learning from my my teammate in that. Um, I, I just learning across from all the other leaders in the organization has always pushed and inspired me to be better, to learn more, to do more. Um, and the other cool thing about my career journey is because we are very committed to innovation, mm -hmm. we tend to be on the like early adopter phase of a lot of things, which there's so many, so many positives and so many um, what, I'll, what I'll call learn teachable moments, learning moments for me. <laughs> Um, in that, but it's always kept what I've had the opportunity to do fresh and challenging and exciting. And, you know, as I look at just my, my years on the retention side, uh, my first year was the year that we, we as a league and a team really switched from paper tickets to digital tickets. And That's then right. we've advanced to like mobile technology and, and flexible seating and innovating what membership looks like. It's just it has been something that with each new opportunity, I've tried to keep an open mind and take advantage of, of those opportunities as they've presented themselves. And ultimately I've been fortunate enough to, to do that in this wonderful environment and, and grow from within. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And, and, and to your point, like over those 16 years, the innovations and the changes of the organization, I'm sure that as we talk about the fact that you've been there for 16 years, it's probably a, just a shock, right? Like it doesn't, <laughs> I can't imagine it feels like 16 years because of the evolution of the organization and, and everything you've been able to do and, and how your roles have evolved also and your responsibilities as well. It goes really fast. <laughs> it does. It does. And, you know, I will say too, just like, you know, I've, I've been out of the NBA for the last what, four seasons. Um, I've been mm -hmm. here at the MLS. And, but one of my favorite things about, you know, our league meetings when I was, was attending them was like, anytime Orlando Magic best practice would come up, I'm like, all right, get the notebook ready. It's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. <laughs> oh, very always pushing the envelope and and I think what I always appreciated is like the experience of your fans are always at the forefront that's the priority of the of the investments and innovation that you're looking for which is which is always always fun and exciting to see um see you and your team and the Orlando Magic sort of moving the needle in that space thank you it really is it really is and I'm so grateful to be in an environment where we're committed to that we are yeah. committed to always keeping the fan first that's fantastic 
Now, in every episode, I, I love to touch on, you know, some key, some key like theme topics. And um, one of the ones I wanted to touch on with you is mentorship. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're a very active member of WISE of the Greater, Orla- of Greater Orlando, and you served as the president of the chapter for over three years now. You know, from your reflection and experience, you know, how important is it to create a strong network and to support and be supported by others in this industry? I think it's critical. I think that building your network is one of the most important investments you can make in your career, right? And I think that realizing for those that are in your network, your relationship is a two-way street with those individuals. You are helping each other and you're learning from each other. I'm a big believer in servant leadership. I believe that we are here to help and grow others as a part of our own career journey. And, you know, as leaders, our purpose is to empower our team and to remove barriers so that they can succeed and grow and develop their careers. And I think my passion for Wise Greater Orlando, it has been this phenomenal experience that's that's enabled me to connect and connect with so many wonderful women and leaders here in Central Florida and bringing them together in this environment where they can learn and grow from one another. And the women that are they're leading this with me, it's all volunteer-based and they're volunteering their time, their treasure, their talent to help lift other women up and bring them to the table and um, support them in their career journey. I think that that is a huge testament to, as women especially, knowing and understanding the power of a strong network and how we can help each other, how we can make sure that we're bringing each other to the forefront, to the table. We're creating an environment where we can, you know, ask each other questions and learn from one another. It has just been such a powerful journey over the past three years. It's it's so it's so amazing, and and I I love I love how you describe that and the importance of it. And you can clearly hear it in your passion about the the work that you're doing there. And you know, being a connector and connecting with, I think that's a, such a strong component of the opportunities that you create um, there at WISE, but also in your in your personal journey of networking and mentorship. I wanted to touch on something you said earlier. I, I thought it was really interesting that you, you described having a board of directors. And just to expand off that, you know, you've, you've got some big names, Pat Miller and Dr. Sutton. For you, when you're looking for somebody to be on your board of directors, is that a technical process? Or is that like, you know what, they're on my board of directors. Do they know they're on your board of directors? Give us a little bit more insight on how you look at that and create that sort of uh, that group of network of supporters? Good question. And no, I don't think anyone that's on my board of directors actually realizes that they're there. Um, <laughs> same, same for me. I was thinking the same. Like I, they don't know, but I do think of them that way. Exactly. I do. I think of them and it's because I hold so many, so many individuals I've been so grateful to spend time with in such high esteem. Um, I, I want to both learn from and hear from them. Um, you know, what are what are their challenges? What are they working on right now? What are they learning? And it's, I think, creating an environment where you can go to an individual based on whatever challenge you're facing at the time and saying, here's what I'm struggling with. Do you have any thoughts? Because I think there's power in stepping away from what you might be looking at from one angle and hearing someone else's perception of that and using their voice to maybe catch a blind spot that you might have or think of something in a different way. And so 
I think that it's a really powerful thing. You know, my mom is on my board of directors, right? She doesn't know that that's <laughs> where she is. Having someone from different areas of your life to give you wisdom and, and guidance to help see you through things, I think is something that's very powerful and very important. Yeah, I could not, I could not agree more. And thank you for elaborating on that point. Now, the next topic is lifestyle. And maybe this is a good transition too. You know, um, one of the things on this podcast I love to do is sort of just like throw out the window this whole concept of work-life balance. You know, um, it's not a term <laughs> that, that we like <laughs> on the podcast um, as, a, as a question we generally hate. But this idea um, that I wanted to instill throughout this platform was that, you know, um, this notion that we're not trying to accomplish work-life balance. We're trying to accomplish um, a, the, the creation of a lifestyle that just works for us and works with our goals and works with the, for the people in our lives. Right. And mm -hmm. so for, yeah. So for you, you know, how do you structure and manage your lifestyle? So that works for you and the people in your life and your family. So first of all, Deanna, I am so grateful that you've <laughs> thrown away that word balance. Thank you so much. It's <laughs> um, gone. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, Cause there is no perfect balance, right? You're seeking something that I just, it has always felt, I'm sure to so many, so unattainable. And so I have forever looked at this question, and I love what you've said using the word lifestyle. I have looked at it until now. Now I'm going to coin it lifestyle. Um, but, but I've been using the word integration for me because I have always felt like I am so many things, right? I'm an executive. I'm a friend. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a, I'm a mother. I'm a student. Mm -hmm. um, these are all parts of who I am, and they're all intertwined with one another, and they are all the balls that I have up in the air at any given time on any given day. And what really helped me, and Deanna, I, I'm wondering if you were here for this, but there was a um, an NBA meeting one time where um, Sint Marshall from Dallas was was speaking about all the balls you have in the air at any given time. Yeah. And do you remember this? Yes, and, it was, it was yeah. the last, last meetings I was at before I left. Yes, it was, yes. It was and all was, the women leaders together. That's right. Yes, it was phenomenal. And she was talking about, you know, you have glass balls and you have rubber balls and there are more rubber balls than you actually think you are. And she, she was up there, she said, let those rubber balls bounce, but yeah. don't drop the glass ones. And for me, I think about all the different balls I have in the air, how everything is integrated together. And I try to then customize a lifestyle that works for myself and my family. I have an amazing, amazing husband who is so supportive of <laughs> everything that I do from a career standpoint, as, as I know so many of us that are women in the industry have to have. Um, and I have two wonderful children. And I think about, okay, how do I plan my week? How do I plan my month where I am tapping into all these pieces of myself and how do they all pull together? How do I create my calendar and schedule my calendar so that I'm hitting all of these buckets that I want to? I think the biggest area and you know, self-admittedly that I am not great at, but I, I promise I'm working on is um, making time for myself. Yes. And I think that that's one thing that I see a lot of my friends and other women in my life struggle with, and I am, um, I'm an avid Pelotoner. I love Peloton and I ride with Robin a lot. And she has this, this motto. She says, self-care is not selfish. It's sacred. And that's something that when I am doing something for myself, I try to remind myself of, uh, but it's definitely an area where I need the most work. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I appreciate you sharing that. What great like takeaways from this part of the conversation, because to your point, like you have so many hats that you wear, they're all integrated. And I, I, you know, you can still lifestyle, but I'm going to still integrated as from you as well, because I think that's a really good point. Everything is connected and feeds into each other. Like you can't show up as a, as a great friend if you're not happy with at work and vice versa, you know, it's like it Mm -hmm. all, they all affect each other in a way that makes you, you and what you bring to the lives of other people. Um, and so that's really, really important. And I love that you brought up the, you know, the, the segment that we both were able to see from Scent because that analogy is something I think about so often that, that, that I bring it up and I, and I share the same thing with other people about the, the glass ball and the rubber ball and one can bounce back and one's going to crash. You're never going to get that back again. Yeah. Um, and she actually talks about it in her new book, if you've read it, but it's really, really good. It's a vivid perspective so that you can stop in, in a moment and say, wait, this is a glass ball. This is a glass ball. Yeah. Don't drop it. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally had a moment. So we were planning a, um, we're taking our, our partners, corporate partners to Nashville. Um, and I didn't look at the schedule of when it is. It's just, oh, it's in October. I'm like, all right, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it came closer and they're like, oh, I'm like, wait, what games, what day is the Nashville trip? And they go, October 2nd. I'm like, that's my daughter's fifth birthday. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know, I was like, I, you know, and we had some big clients going in. I was like, you know what? My daughter's not going to turn five again. You know, we're having a party. I'm not going on the trip. Same with the holiday dinner. Like it's, not, you know, mm-hmm. like, that to me is a, as like, that's a glass ball. Like I, I'm not going to miss my daughter's fifth birthday, you know? Well, and you know what, Deanna, in those moments, that's when I feel really proud that I can step back and say, I've got a team that I trust yes. and I know that can do a great job and it'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that's been a learning lesson for me too, along the way to say, we have, you have this amazing group of people that have a common vision, a common goal, and you're in it together. It's okay to step back and be there for your daughter's birthday. Right? Exactly. That's a really, that's a really valid point. Right. If I was in a different situation, maybe I'd feel differently and the poll would have felt differently, but no, it was like, it was an easy decision. My daughter's birthday Mm -hmm. is the priority here and I have a great team. You're absolutely right. And, um, and so that was, that was one of those moments that, that I use that analogy. Um, yeah, yes, absolutely. And then lastly, I always love to, to end a conversation with my guests um, with advice. I would love to hear from you on this topic. So what advice do you have for those looking to pursue a career in sports who might have started in a summer place that you did, Katie? First and foremost, I would say be yourself. I feel like part of my career journey has been getting comfortable with who I am and what I bring to the table and trusting in that, right? I feel like for a a number of years, a piece of feedback that I would get really young in my career is, oh, Katie, you're too nice. And today I'm like, what, what does that mean? What did it mean? But, but I would take that to heart. And it was, it was like, well, I'm too nice to be in sales, right? Or I'm too nice to close a deal or I'm too nice to hold someone accountable. And that's not, that's never been the case for me, but it was a perception that was out there. And I feel like Oftentimes I would try to fit the image of what I felt like someone successful would be instead of just being myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like as soon as that clicked for me personally, that trusting my gut, sharing my thoughts and my insights and my opinions, that was enough. And it became a turning point for me in my career journey. And I think sometimes as women, we have that inner voice where we 
we question ourselves and how working over the years, I mean, she still talks to me, but I try really hard to silence her. Um, <laughs> like Being myself and bringing my whole self to the table, I would give everyone that piece of advice and to, to trust in who you are. We've talked about building your network and, and your board of directors. Um, the other thing that I would just say is always stay open to learning. I think sometimes we will create a vision for ourselves that is along one path and something might come along and you're like, but wait, that's, that's not the path that I had planned. That's not the path that I had envisioned. Um, but if you stay open to learning and you stay curious and you stay open to new opportunities, you're not, you know, don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and take on something new because that's where growth occurs. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and when you surround yourself with people that you can trust and that, you know, you can ask for advice on and you trust in yourself as a leader, then, you know, that's something that, that I think has served me well as well. Such incredible advice. Thank you so much, Katie. I mean, this has been such a great conversation and it's been so great to reconnect with you. It's been, it's been too long. And I, I thank you so much for your insights and sharing your experiences and being a guest on Women Blazers. Oh, Deanna, thank you so much for having me. I am so honored. You are blazing trails for women by creating this amazing platform for women to share their stories so we can all learn from one another. So thank you for having me here today. And thank you so much for what you're doing. And that's a wrap on episode 56. Thank you to Katie for sharing her journey and insights with all of us today. And as a thank you to Katie, our friends at Turnkey at ZRG has purchased a one-year membership for her to join the Pro Sports Assembly, an industry member-led association helping advance equity in pro sports. Now to stay connected and to engage with the Women Blazers community, I always invite you to follow us on Instagram at Women Blazers. Now there's only four more episodes in season three. So make sure you look forward to episode 57 dropping on Monday, November 14th. Thank you and have a wonderful week.